Welcome to Parkview. Uh, hey, we're glad you're here. And I got a new granddaughter, baby, let me tell you. That's baby Olivia. She's here. Um, my son-in-law, I know, just wanted to walk into the party and go, oh, whatever. I know he did that. Whatever it was. That, 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 they were Lion King. Olivia was born a week ago Friday after 42 hours of labor. Let's just say that my daughters are pretty good at getting pregnant. Um, not so good at getting unpregnant. Okay. Um, and, and I just want to go on record saying I think it's more stressful to be the father of the mom than it is to be the husband of the mom, okay? I mean, you know, you're the husband, you're in there, you're, you're helping out, you're the dad, you're just like, get that kid out of there, what is going on? I don't understand. Um, here is my, uh, here's my video of uh, Olivia and me trying to manipulate her already. It has started here, watch. You love your papa, don't you? I wish you. <laughs> you love your papa the best, don't you? <laughs> I can't even manipulate her at three days old. That's terrible. Um, but I'll keep trying. Um, and if you, um, if you start to get confused along the way, Pastor Chaz and his wife Chelsea had a baby on Monday named Olivia as well. <clears throat> and um, his, uh, his, uh, her, her parents are some of our best friends and they live in Colorado. So I'll probably be carrying around Olivia and you'll be confused. Don't worry about it. I got a lot of grandkids. That's the way it works, okay? Mine's in California. This one's here and, and, and we're, we're glad. I got to tell you though, it was crazy to be around a brand new baby again, okay? Be around my brand new granddaughter and remember that it was just a year ago that my grandson was born, a year ago like last week. And it doesn't seem possible how big he is compared to how little this little peanut is. I mean, she was eight pound something. And, you know, I mean, she was a normal size little baby, but it's just so small. And then I was thinking, I was eight pounds something one day, you know? I mean, I was, I was this size one day. And I know we don't remember that, but, but then, you know, I, I go look in the mirror and I'm like, how did I get from that to this, you know? This guy that has to have an aisle seat in a plane so that he can go to the bathroom, whether the pilot turns off the seatbelt light or not, I know, I gotta go, because that's just what happens. Who is this old guy that has to have a CPAP machine hanging over his head to sleep at night? Who owns an ear hair trimmer? How did I get there? <laughs> well, you just wake up one day, you're like, I used to be this, and now I'm this. I don't understand it, all right? Well, let me help you. Signs, you've gotten old, ladies and gentlemen, all right? 6 a.m. is when you get up, not when you go to bed. You go from 130 days of vacation when you're in school to 14, right? You're the one calling the police because this kids next door won't turn their stereo down. You don't know what time Taco Bell closes anymore. I, I don't. You feed your dog science diet instead of McDonald's leftovers. You know you've gotten old. You take naps, amen? 
Little, you know, you're like, Mommy, I don't want to take a nap. Now I'm like, Mommy, let me take a nap. You hear your favorite song in an elevator. I promise you I heard Hotel California in an elevator recently. My favorite. Your houseplants are alive and you can't smoke them. I mean, that, that is proof that you've gotten old. How, how do we get from that little, tiny, little peanut thing to being this, this grown-up? And at some point, you need to stop growing physically, okay? That's really important. I started thinking, how, how, does, how do we get from Olivia at eight pounds something to Charlie, who was nine pounds at birth and is 27 pounds now at one year of age? How, you, you do the math, okay? That's triple. I started doing the math. If he triples every year, by the time he's four, he's going to weigh 729 pounds, right? He's not going to make it into preschool. At some point, our bodies have to stop growing, but the rest of us doesn't. The rest of us are our minds and, 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 our, and, and, our, and our hearts and our souls, They're not supposed to stop growing. And your soul is the thing that is going to carry with you into eternity. So it's something that should never stop growing. So what does growing a soul look like? All right? And let me put it this way. The the goal of growing as a human being, at some point you stop physically. It's not to get better. It's not about being a better person. That'll be a side benefit. It's not about getting bigger because you've got to stop doing that. The goal is producing fruit. The goal is in your soul to produce fruit. What kind of fruit? Hang on to that. We'll talk about it in a second. First, let's ask this question. Why does my soul stop producing fruit? Why why is it that I find myself, and maybe you find yourself in in times along the way, where I'm just not, you know, things are not changing. I'm not producing any fruit. The the fruits of the Spirit are not displayed in my life. I'm not not a person that people want to be around more than I was the week before. I'm not that person that's exemplifying who Jesus is more than I was a year before. I'm not producing the fruit that the people around me see Jesus and they want to be close to Him. I, I don't have that going on. Why is that. And for a little baby, there's a horrible diagnosis. If you have a little baby, it's called failure to thrive. There's a horrible diagnosis called FTT that means they're not getting enough nourishment, right? And maybe they're born preemie. Maybe there's just something going on. I want to say I want to say this right up front, part of the joys and sorrows of all these things of babies that have been going on of late is that my niece had a baby at 27 weeks out in, in, uh, in the Fresno, California area, and, um, and baby Addie still still there, still doing good, still fine, but if her heart doesn't close up, you know there's some things when you're born that preemie, she was two pounds something, if her heart doesn't close up, they're going to have to go to surgery, so please pray for baby Addie for me, and my niece Kelly and her husband John. I mean, that's what you don't know. And if you've got failure to thrive as a, as a child, it means that you're not getting enough nourishment and you're not, you're not able to grow up. So let me ask you this question. Does your soul have FTT? Does your soul have failure to thrive? Um, Jesus said it this way. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seeds and as he was scattering some seed, some of it fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up, all right? Part of the reason you might have failure to thrive in your soul is because you have a hard soul. 
farmer goes out, he sows the seed, everything's great, but it's on the path, it's on the hard soil, and it's not going to grow. If you just stare at this for a minute, you will realize that it's going to be hard to grow anything there. In Israel, I've been over, I mean, where Jesus is talking about, it's hard to grow things there. I was just in California, they're in the middle of a drought. It's hard to grow things when your path, when, when, you're, when, when the seed is falling on the path that looks like this. And what Jesus is saying is that if you have failure to thrive, in your soul, it may be because you have a closed mind. At some point, you just said, you know what, I don't care what God says, I don't care about God's word, uh, the seed is just bouncing off and, it, and it's going away. And a lot of people are like that. What makes, your ho- so- what makes your soil hard? What makes your soul hard? Well, a couple of things. Fear, for one thing. I'm afraid of what God might want to do with my soul, so I've packed it down and it's very hard and all the seeds just bounce off of me. One of the great things Casey said, go back and listen to the sermon last week if you didn't, one of the great things he said was the slavery we know often feels better than the freedom of God that we don't. He was talking about the children of Israel and how they said, we'd rather go back to Egypt. We were in slavery, but at least we knew what was going on. We're afraid of what God might do, all right? The second thing could be pride. It could be, you know what, my life's fine. Why, why do I need God? I, I, I've got things going on. I got, you know, I, I got a decent life. I got a decent family. All my things are going. I don't really need any help. I don't need God's help at all. And the third one I would say would be disappointment. And I would say probably this is the thing that wraps up all of the reason why I meet people from time to time who just have a hard soul. They just, they just don't want to have anything to do with God. Fastest growing group, religious group in the United States of America right now is the N-O-N-E-S's, the nuns. Don't believe in anything. And in and, and, and a lot of cases, it's my kids' generation, it's the younger generations who are saying, you know what, I, I, I thought maybe there was a God, but, but God's disappointed me. And maybe that's you. God's disappointed me. He hasn't given me what I thought I wanted, what, what he should have given me. He hasn't answered my prayers. Uh, I don't want anything to do with him. Or there's a disappointment with other Christians or a church or, or whatever, and they've been hurt by something. And, and I think even the fear and the pride, I think a lot of hard soil is about the fact that, you know, one time my soil was open, my soul was open, and it's just not anymore because things just didn't work out the way that they should have. They become burned and bitter. Jesus explains the parable later on to the disciples, and he says, these people are like seeds sown along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan is the birds. He comes and he takes the, snatches the word away that was sown in them. If you don't have an open heart, it's going to lay there. The seed, we'll keep, we'll keep throwing it, you know, but the seed is going to lay there, and it's going to get snatched away. It's not going to take root. It's not going to do you any good. And it's okay if you're listening to me right now, if you're here right now, and, and you just showed up because somebody drug you here or whatever, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of being protective of this soul right now. It's okay. We're going to keep throwing seed at you, and God is going to keep throwing seed at you, and I hope and I pray that at some point there'll be, there'll be a crack that it'll go into. There'll be enough nourishment, enough water that something's going to happen. That's my prayer. It might be hard. It might be shallow soil. It might be a shallow soil. Some fell on rocky places. All right, the difference between hard and rocky is that there's a little bit of soil here where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, 
The plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. What's the difference? There's a little bit of soil, and these these people actually start to grow something. And man, that's a whole other category of people, and it may be where you're at, and sometimes it's where I'm at. There was something growing there, and then I didn't let it get deeper. I didn't let the roots grow, and all of a sudden there are problems. In the land of Palestine, where Jesus is telling the story, there's going to be a lot of sun, there's not going to be a lot of rain, there's going to be, there's going to be problems, and, and it's not going to nourish. You know that whenever you walk by and see a tree growing out of a crazy place like this, that you notice it, right? You're like, wow, where, how, does that, how does that even work? Why do you notice it? Because it's not normal. <laughs> you drive by a forest full of trees, full of healthy trees, you don't notice because they have a root system, and that's how it's supposed to be. And I just want you to know that we're concerned about this as as a congregation. It's hard as a large church to know if people are growing. It's hard at any church to know if people are growing. Well, one of the reasons why we do so much of what we do around here is because we want to help your soil get cultivated and get deeper and get the rocks out of the way and get everything out of the way so that you can grow and become a strongly rooted plant and produce fruit. The truth is you can be a shallow Christian at a church of 70 or a shallow Christian at a church of 7,000. It doesn't make any difference because nobody else is going to make your soil be what it needs to be. But here's how Jesus said the shallow soil was like. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. I mean, that's important. Yeah, okay, yeah, I want to worship. Yes, God, I want you in my life. Yes, I believe in you. You know, I mean, when it comes to Christmas time and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out all this, you know, the manger scene, I'm going to believe those things and we're going to celebrate. But then since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. That's the superficial soul. How can so many people in the United States attend church week after week, month after month, and still have no root? They received it with joy, but they just haven't allowed God to transform them. So there's not a lot of fruit. One of the problems is if you think that you can grow by a once a week experience, it just doesn't make, it's just not going to work. You know that doesn't work in, in your body. You can't just go to the buffet. You can't go to, even if you go to Golden Corral and, you know, eat yourself to death on Sunday, you still have to eat the rest of the week for things to work. And here's what I, I found out this week. Psychologists tell us and sociologists tell us, you will forget 95% of what you hear within 72 hours. 95. So like by Tuesday or Wednesday, you are going to have forgotten 95% of what you heard on a weekend. All right. The truth is, I'm going to have forgotten 95% of what I said on the weekend. I preached in California last weekend for a friend who was doing my Life on Mission program. It was the last week of the program. And I knew I needed to be in California to be you know, there for Olivia, and Olivia was almost on time, and everything was great, so I was able to go preach, <laughs> but I was a little tired, and, and, and it was my sermon from my book, and I preached it, and they were one of those churches that had the outline thing where you filled it all in, and they worded things a little bit differently than I had quite said them 
But this woman comes up to me in between services and asks me to fill in one of the words of the outline, and I couldn't remember it. I said it like 30 minutes ago, and I couldn't remember the word. You see what I'm saying? The, the really bad part was it was the sermon on prayer where I said one of the most important things that we do is ask the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit says he will help us to remember the things that we need to say when we go on mission. And evidently the Holy Spirit wasn't helping me do it. I said it 30 minutes ago. The really funny thing was it's when I tell my all-time favorite memory joke. I told the, you know, the, the story of the two old guys that were talking about the restaurant one day, and the one guy said, yeah, man, I just had this great meal at this restaurant, and the other one said, well, what was it called? And he said, I, I, don't, I don't remember. He said, what's the name of that flower with the, with the pretty petals on it, and it smells good, and it has thorns? And the other guy said, Rose? And the other guy said, yeah, that's it. Rose, what was the name of that restaurant we ate at last week? <laughs> I just told that joke, and I couldn't remember my own outline. Do you see where I'm at with this? Okay. One time a week, you are not going to remember. That's why it's important and why we push you all the time to get connected in a small group, to get connected in a way where you can be in the Word of God every day, where you can be connected with other people, and things can change in your life. That's how growth happens. That's how fruit happens. When we get done with, the, it's your soul, man finish it up next week, we have another small group curriculum for you called Connecting with God. And if, if you want to, we'd love for you to go out. It's out, out in the foyer out there. We'd love for you to give, give you the, the DVD. You could do it with your family, do it on your own, whatever, four-week deal, or you could do something in the middle of the week. Or you know what else you could do? I mean, we give out a, a weekly thing on our website. Our website is chock full of stuff that you can do to help with your spiritual life. And one of the things is we have a weekly devotional thing that kind of has some questions to ask you about the sermon. How about if, like, Tuesday you went back and watched the sermon again on your lunch break and filled out a couple of questions and started keeping, you know, keeping it in front of you? Roots don't grow once a week. They, they grew, grow a little bit at a time. So you got to get into contact with God all the time. That's, that's how the roots grow. you got to create time and space for them or it doesn't work. The third soul was the choked soul. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plant so that it did not bear much fruit. Right, the third kind of soil is that people have just too much stuff going on. They're preoccupied. All right? it, it's better than a closed mind, and it's better than a shallow mind or soul, but it's still choked out. Jesus said it's like this. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, they hear the word... But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries, deceitfulness of wealth, you got the worries, you got the wealth, and you got the desires for other things. Let me, let me, just, let me just show you this, okay? You got worries and wealth and desires, right? Those are the things that get in the way. Life's worries. I can't help it. I got a lot of things. But remember, Jesus said, do not worry. Your father's going to take care of things. I know there's a lot of stuff going on, but get that weed out of your soil. Wealth, riches. Jesus said it's harder for a, a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why is that? Because I don't know about you, but the more stuff I have, the, the more things I have to think about, the more weeds are there. 
How about the desires for, for things, pleasures, good or bad? Listen, all these things can be good or bad, but they can be weeds if we let them grow. After this series, we're going to do the, the rivals to God. We're going to talk about money, sex, and power. We're going to unpack those in a deeper way. Those are the weeds that get in and clog things up. John Ortberg, um, we have a, one of his books available out there, a great writer on the soul, said he has a friend who writes for a magazine in L.A. I mean, L.A., it, it's, a, it's a different culture, man. I mean, it, it really, really is a different culture. He said, this magazine's called The Good Life, and it's in L.A. And he said, evidently, The Good Life consists of fine dining and weight reduction. That must be the good life because he said, when I read the magazine, all the ads were either for fine dining or weight reduction. He said, how do you balance that? You eat too much, you get in a nice car, you drive too fast, you go to a club that costs too much, and you get on a bike that goes nowhere. How, do, how does this work? Is this the good life? That's what they advertise. What is a weed? A weed is, a weed is anything that robs my nutrition with God. Where do we, it could be good, it could be bad, but where do weeds grow? Weeds grow best in places where they can hide. In places where there's a lot of clutter. That's where you find a weed patch. I mean, haven't you had that experience where you've got a, a, a flower garden with a whole bunch of stuff growing and all of a sudden there's a three-foot-tall weed growing out of the middle of it? How did that happen? If it was over in the, in, in the mulch somewhere... You would have seen it. You would have been able to get rid of it immediately, but it's not. It's hiding there. You know what I know about weeds? Weeds never just decide, hey, we're done with this yard. We're going to get up and go to another yard, right? What do they do? They spread. And the more clutter, the more they spread. And pretty soon it's weedorama in your yard. That's what happens, okay? And the problem with it is if it's surrounded by a whole lot of stuff, it's hard to get out. Uh, a lot of you wimps use uh, like Roundup or some kind of a weed control. Real men use a weed burner, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't have a weed burner, now you're going to want one. And, and the great thing is you can tell your wife, honey, I'm protecting the environment. There's no chemicals involved. I just torched the weed. Isn't that great? Whew. Problem is... Um, if you use this, um, for one thing, your, your bark mulch often catches on fire, so um, <laughs> pay attention to that because I have forgotten that a couple of times along the way. And the other thing is, if I'm going to, it doesn't matter if I'm using Roundup or whatever, if there's other plants that I want to grow and I try to kill that weed, I'm going to kill everything. What am I saying? Jesus is saying, you've got to clear it out, man. Like what? Like, I don't know, like your schedule? Maybe, maybe your kids don't need to play 15 sports. Maybe you could drop one, you know. Maybe you don't need to get a promotion at work and you could just do the job that you were hired to do. Maybe Facebook isn't as important as you thought it was. Maybe nobody cares what your friend's kids were for Halloween and you don't need to go on there and look. You don't even need to go on mine and look. I'm going to put pictures on there, but you don't need to go look. It's not important. There are more important things. Financially, we get into FPU, Financial Peace University, and, and I would invite you to do that. You know what happens? People walk in and they're like, man, I don't know what happened. We are $50,000 in consumer debt. I have 20 credit cards. How did this happen? 
One little weed, right? One at a time. And what happens? You end up with failure to thrive. Your, <laughs> your soul's not going to work. It's not going to produce fruit if, if it's cluttered. All right. my, favorite, my favorite story about clutter. Woman, and it's a true story, buys a boat. She takes it to a lake in California. She, she's driving it around. She pulls up to a marina and says, hey, guys, I don't think this boat's working right. I don't, I don't, it's not, it just feels sluggish. It's not playing in. I mean, I don't know a lot about boats, but it just doesn't feel like it's, it's, it's working the way that it ought to. Could you check it out? So the guys at the marina, they, they're like, okay, well, you know, you got gas. They, they turn it on. They, they listen to it. The motor sounds fine. They, they lift the hatch. They see the motor. Everything's fine. They see the prop is spinning. Everything's good. But one of the guys finally says, well, shut it off, and I'll go look, under, I'll go look in the water. I'll go look underneath and see if there's a problem. So he jumps in the water, immediately comes back up, sputtering and gasping because he's laughing so hard because what he found underneath the boat, still strapped securely in place, was the trailer. <laughs> true, true story. I'm not going to tell you what color her hair was. I'm just saying it's a true story. If, if, you've, if you feel like you know what, man, I, that's kind of, that's really ridiculous, but that's kind of how my soul feels right now. I feel like I'm giving it gas. I'm feeling like I, I'm just not producing fruit. It's not doing, my life is not where it ought to be. You might have a hard heart. You might have a, a, a shallow heart. You might have a hard soul. You might have a shallow soul. Might just be cluttered. Might just be that you need to, you know, unstrap the trailer and, and see what God does. Because if you do, Jesus says, if you get the clutter out of the way and you've got good soil, you others, like seed sown on good soil, if you've got good soul soil, they hear the word, they accept it, they produce a crop 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. So let me ask you, do you have FTT for your soul? If God did a scan of your soul, would he find a closed soul? It's just hard. You've just, you just been keeping it all closed and not letting anything get in. Nothing's going to grow there. That, that might be part of it. And again, we want to help you. We'd love to help you. Would it be a, a, a shallow soul? You're a believer, but you just haven't allowed God to, to, to help you cultivate the soil and let it grow deeper and get some of the rocks out of the way and, and bear fruit like you know that you could. You, you know how you can tell? If you've got shallow soil or not, um, for me, when the heat comes, Jesus said, if you don't have roots, if, if the trouble, the persecution, when the heat comes, when the bad times come, and you dry up quickly, it's probably because your root system is not that deep. And, and, and don't you also meet people who you look at their life and you're like, man, I, I can't imagine how you've survived all of the trouble and persecution in your life. You know they've got a deep, deep root system. If God did a scan of your soul, would it be a choked one? And I think that's probably more likely for all of us. Too busy for God, giving God the leftovers. Or is your soul still growing and bearing fruit? That, that's the question. The interesting thing about this parable, one of Jesus' classic stories, is that there are three elements 
but only one of them changes. There's the seed, there's the sower, and there's the soil. The seed does not change in any of those four analogies. It doesn't change at all. The sower throws seed. As a matter of fact, God is so generous with the seed that he throws the seed even on the hardened path. Even where he knows Satan is going to come and snatch it, even when he knows that your soul is hard and closed up, he's still throwing seed at you. You understand this, right? And that doesn't change. The sower doesn't change. He, doesn't, he isn't generous sowing sometimes and then being kind of, you know, stingy at other times. He's always throwing and the seed is always good. The one variable is it's the soil. It's the one thing that we have that we can do something about. It's the one thing. What I'm telling you is everything depends on the soil of your soul. Just change that one one letter out. Soil, soul, everything changes on it. Now, I know some of you are like, I need more help, okay? I already mentioned the website, but you need to, we just redone it. Go on our website and look at all the resources that are there. We have books, we have podcasts for you, we have apps um, that that can go on your phone, send you a, a verse a day, whatever. Here's a really important thing I would encourage you. I hope we blow the doors off the After We Believe class next week. Because a lot of you have taken the What We Believe class, After We Believe is the next thing that you can do. It is November 7th, uh, 8.30 to 12.30, and it will help you to, to know how to pray and give you a Bible plan and how to read and all those kinds of things. We also have books available in the lobby out there, um, a couple of them of note. Um, one is a book for praying with your spouse, and I bought one for us, and it, when we ever get in the same town which hopefully will be my wife's coming in tonight. When we get in the same town, we're going to start going through this Praying Together book because um, it's just even as a pastor and, and a very mature Christian woman, we don't, we don't get to pray together enough. So that's a, there's a book out there about that. There's a book by John Ortberg, The Life You've Always Wanted. really recommend that on your soul. Um, and then Hayden Shaw, one of our members, has a book on the generations out there, and my Life on Mission book is out there. Get some books and start reading. Create a plan. Come up with something where you're doing something in the middle of the week. And, and then there's another uh, class called Living Our Beliefs the next week to help you to figure out more of these things along the way. And we've got a Bible reading plan on our, on our, on our webpage. S-O-A-P, Bible reading plan. Simple little Bible reading plan. I'm not here to put guilt on you and make you think that you've got to get up at four in the morning and have a quiet time and that's going to solve all your problems. I'm saying that we are responsible for the soil of our soul. That's why we keep doing this. Right? I mean, at some point, we need you to, to get out of the pediatric ward and learn to feed yourself. At some point, I'm hoping and praying that baby Olivia and my, my grandson Charlie can learn to feed themselves. It's going to be important, right? I mean, Charlie's already, you know, able to grab things and stuff them in his face and, and start eating that way. At some point, he's going to need to, to learn to use a knife and a fork, just like you. The scary thing is his dad's from England. Do you know how Europeans eat with that fork upside down thing and they use a the little knife? Do you know what I'm talking about? They, they, they scoop the knife onto the fork upside down? What? Hey, Europe, the reason the fork is like this is because it holds more food that way. Ta-da! 
There, I just solved a bunch of problems, okay? I don't know how he's going to learn to use it, but when he comes and visits me and he's 15 years old, I'm not going to cut up his meat for him. And when you've been a Christian for 15 years, I ought to not be cutting your meat up either. You see what I'm saying? Good soil, good fruit, period. And the harvest that Jesus describes in here is unbelievable. <coughs> it's unbelievable. Normally, uh, a grain of wheat that is planted is going to produce on a bad day, you know, in a bad season, maybe three or four grains. In a good season, 20, 25 grains would be huge, a huge harvest. Jesus says, no, it, it, it'll be, if you, if you allow God to be in your soil of your soul, your harvest, your fruit Whatever that looks like, your fruit is going to be 30 or 60 or 100 times anything that you could have imagined. Again, the goal is not to get better, it's not to get bigger, it's to produce fruit. And we don't always know what that's going to look like. We don't always know the timing. Um, it's weird when I look back because... Um, I, I preached about grow, the Life on Mission project that I've done for other churches. The fourth week is grow because the point of being a Christian is to be on mission. That's why we're here. And one of the things that we have to do is produce fruit by multiplying, be fruitful and multiply by going and telling people about, about Jesus and then helping them to grow. Week four was on, fro, on grow and, and it was, I used this passage, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. So I thought, well, I ought to go back and look at, at what I wrote back then. And it was ironic because that was the week that Charlie was born, my very first grandson. And I said, you know, it's interesting, but it feels like part of our job is done. The very first thing mankind is told to do is to be fruitful and to multiply. We were fruitful, and now that we have grandchildren, we have multiplied. That's great. Interesting thing, when I went back and looked at my notes, is that uh, Rachel and Ash, the parents of Charlie, were ready to start having a family. Tommy and Lauren, Olivia's parents, weren't thinking this was necessarily the timing that they were looking for. As a matter of fact, in my sermon a year ago, I quoted my daughter Lauren saying, man, I am not ready for this. And three months later, she was pregnant. Okay? Why? If the soil is right and the soul is right, fruit happens, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes the timing's not what you thought it was going to be. Um, we don't always know how it's going to be. Sometimes it's faster than you expected, the fruit. Sometimes it's slower. I mean, I know that some of you who are listening to this are desperately holding out for fruit to happen in your life. And you've done everything to cultivate the soil for God to work that you could possibly know. I mean, you've done everything and you've been holding out for that baby or for a marriage to heal or for a, a spouse to, to share that with or for a health need or for a relationship to heal. And sometimes there's a period of waiting and sometimes there are things that we don't understand. Sometimes it's faster and sometimes it's slower. I want to tell you, keep cultivating the soil. Keep weeding. Keep fertilizing. Keep cultivating the soil because at some point God is going to provide fruit in your life that is 30 or 60 or 100 times more than you could possibly imagine. Please do that. 
I read this week about the Chinese bamboo tree. The Chinese bamboo tree, they plant it, they water and fertilize it. For one year, nothing happens. Two years, three years, four years, nothing happens. And then in the fifth year, within a period of six weeks, a Chinese bamboo tree grows 90 feet in six weeks. Or was it five years? Hang on. Just because the soil is right, because the soul is right, doesn't mean the fruit is going to be easy. But there is no fruit without good soil. And God will probably surprise you with more than you ever thought possible. Olivia's cousin is the product of fruit through adoption. When it comes to human fertility, sometimes only God knows how these things work or don't work. But let me show you a picture. Picture on the left is last year's pumpkin where Zach and Tina were waiting for you. The picture on the right is a year later and the little pumpkin is here. Isn't that awesome? Little Henry is here. He's back in the nursery right now. I call him my grandson-in-law. That, that's, that's still fruit, okay? It didn't come the way that we thought, but it's fruit, and fruit happens. Let's pray. God, I thank you for that little miracle right there, and I thank you for my little Simba, my little Olivia, and, and her health, and, and I'm so grateful for that. And, and I'm thankful for Chaz and Chelsea's baby, Olivia, born this week. And, and at the same time, Lord, I'm praying for my, my niece's baby, Addie, that, that you will do miracles, that there won't have to be surgery, that you will produce fruit. Those people have great soil, Lord. They've got great souls, the whole family. And we want to unite with them and ask for you to intervene, for baby Addie to grow up and and be playing with baby Olivia someday at Christmas around the Christmas tree. And that nothing ever is ever remembered about how these whole things got started. And Lord, I want to pray for the people in this room who are frustrated right now. Troubles and, and persecution are in their life even though the soil is deep. And they have not given up. And they have not dried up. And they are they're doing everything they can to produce fruit. But... For whatever reason, it's not happening. Will you please help them to know how much you love them? Let them hang on. Because I do believe the fruit will come. And for all the rest of us who just forget, get busy and let the weeds come in, please let this be a reminder. <laughs> There's nothing more important. Our souls live forever. There's nothing more important. And Lord, if there are people in here who've got hard hearts, would you let them feel the seed as it's being tossed to them right now? And let them just crack the door open a little bit and say, God, if you're there, let me know. For all of us, we pray. You will help our souls have the soil that will produce fruit in abundance. And we ask these things in your name.